Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Welcome to the EFTM Formula 1 podcast. Trevor Long with you alongside Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. We have just endured, and I use that word knowingly, the 2022 Monaco uh, Formula One Grand Prix. Uh, before we get into unpacking bits and pieces of it and uh, a bit of an analysis of Monaco's future, Connor McNally, is this a KO Mini or a full race for you, my friend? You'd have to go the KO Mini after going through all that, honestly. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, think, if you say anything else, mate, could... I'm not sure. Harry? Yeah. Oh, my God, a Mini. Yeah, there, there's okay. no other answer. It's a formality, thanks to the great people at KO. Uh, we do the show. That's how I watch the Formula One Grand Prix, as well as practice, qualifying every single session, uh, plus MotoGP and a whole lot more. And, of course, all the big sports like AFL, NRL, and many, many more. You get KO from 25 bucks a month, as simple as that. And if you want to check it out, just log on to kosports.com.au and check out everything they've got to offer. So, look, um, it is 10 past 2 in the morning. Uh, the podium, as I turn around, has is, is not even begun yet. The interviews are still happening. That's how quickly we jump on the blower uh, bef- uh, after the race. Um, this is three hours uh, three hours and ten minutes after the race uh, was scheduled to start. It was delayed because it, it rained a little bit on the pitch tray. <laughs> um, oh, my God, Harry. Seriously, why did that race not start? That was just so weird. Like... There wasn't even any drivers sort of calling out that, you know, this is this is too wet, got no tires, can't grip or whatever. It was just like the FIA making a call. And the thing that was just weird was that they seemed to be making this really long foreshadow call. Like, they reckon this weather system was coming along, which it did. But it was so far ahead that they could have got, you know, the, the start off very cleanly. And that becomes an issue that the teams have to manage during the race, which is what mm. we all want. And that just, and, yeah, wasn't the case. And I think... That's the challenge here, Connor, is that my biggest problem with this uh, this event is that the race never officially started um, uh, yeah. after, after it was uh, after it was decided to you know essentially delay the start. They did one one uh, lap a uh, formation lap and then came into the pits and then it was noted that the race would restart at something like you know twenty sixteen minutes past or something. And it's like, hang on, Connor, the race never started in the first place. Exactly, it's like. They decided, oh, we'll just put the race clock on now. The race is officially started as soon as the uh, as soon as we let the safety car out. Race is officially on. They basically started the race in pit lane before the cars had even hit the track. Oh, I find that absolutely bizarre. I've never seen anything like that before in my entire time watching Formula One. Just weird. Which means that we we didn't get a a, a grid start. We didn't get a standing start. We got a uh, essentially a safety car restart. Um, uh, which really robbed us of the only thing about Monaco yeah. <laughs> that can be exciting, which mm. is the first corner. And, and that's a really important thing because y- y- you sit here every year, whether it's just for your own uh, cheering or for gambling or just for entertainment, you know, you want some action on the first corner. Oh, and let me be clear. I don't, I don't want drivers to crash. I actually love the fact that you can have all these cars come through turn one, Harry, and not crash that's just as exciting. Yeah, just seeing that spectacle of them fitting so tightly around there. But we didn't get it. It was just a very cautious single file lap 
behind the safety car and and they were cautious like there was no attempts really by anyone to make any moves whatsoever it was just the race just kind of just happened like i don't know how else to describe it it just it just kind of just started I've been in hotel rooms with more water coming from the shower than that <laughs> place had rain. I mean, yes, it rained, no doubt. There was great vision of rain, uh, and they found a puddle to shoot, the same puddle every time. Um, it, it rained, no doubt. But, Connor, shouldn't we be able to race in that weather? I mean, you look at everyone, certainly on Twitter, it's like, why aren't we racing? And how why embarrassing is this? Why do we have wets? Why do we? It's like, oh, is a little bit of rain. Oh, we can't send you out because it's just, you know, too wet. Driver safety. For God's sake, we have seen Monaco Grand Prix race in the wet before. 1984, 1996, great examples of that. And I just find it absolutely staggering in this current day and age of Formula One that as soon as there's a little bit of precipitation, it just turns into absolute shit. Mm. And I, I, I'm just at a loss for words as why the race direction right now in Formula One is afraid to race in the wet. We should be reveling in these conditions. It, it should be the test, the real test of what driver skill is all about. And we're not seeing that at the moment. Let's come up back a little bit to that because we want to unpack the kind of Liberty FIA uh, modelling and, and concerns and, and what impact this has on Monaco. Uh, great win to Sergio Perez in the end. And we'll talk about why and how strategy-wise. Um, that's Sergio's third ever career win after Sakir, I think, in 2020, the second last race of the season, and then Azerbaijan last year. Um, that's a huge thing for for Sergio, and I can't wait to actually look at the championship table. Uh, Carlos Sainz in second, Max Verstappen third, Charles Leclerc fourth at his home Grand Prix, George Russell fifth. Um, a top five finish again ahead of Lando Norris, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, Esteban Ocon, and Valtteri Bottas with points. Um you know, uh, Harry, I think what's fascinating here is the the Ferrari unpacking of this race. Now, strategy-wise, it was a fascinating one because we had Gasly, Stroll, and Latifi come in pretty much on the first lap and say, right, we're going to go to Inters, which didn't look great early, but it very quickly came to Gasly. Um, and so really it became this question of who's going on to them when, but they, they Harry, they put Leclerc and Verstappen mm. onto Inters which was the undoing of their whole race, really. Well, I think they saw the pace uh, of Gasly in particular with those inters, and he was he was storming, like he was really storming through there. So you can see where that idea came from. But but yeah, in the end, um, getting that position back there, and and you know, a track when you can't get past, and it's, you know, it's much easier to hold on for those few laps when you might have the slower tire in the hope of your your original strategy being able to pay off and it's just it's backfired but at least for Red Bull you know you've got you got the silver lining on that side of it of your other driver getting his his win there which you know it's great for Checo and you know it's great for me as well because I actually had I had him for the win so thank you Checo so did I yeah cheers yeah. Checo I mean I really appreciate cheers, the effort thanks to Red Bull for the for the <laughs> yeah. strategy call and thanks to Ferrari for, for, all. For, for, for completely stuffing up the the call I mean this is a massive communication failure at Ferrari, Connor, because they yeah. Carlos Sainz is the guru here today. You have to give him absolute credit, not just for second place, but for calling that they should go straight to hards. They should go straight to the slicks mm. um, rather than going through the intermediate phase because he was right uh, at that end of the field. Others tried it, but it didn't really work out. But th- they pitted Sainz and Leclerc's buddy engineer called him in at the same time. And then... 
by the time he turned into the pit lane, they told him not to come in. So he double stacked and essentially cost him certainly a podium, if not the win. Oh, without a question. And look, I know what they were trying to do. They were, they were trying to make sure that science was on the hards. So they were going to go for hards eventually. And they were, they were going to bring him in originally. And then they told him to stay out. Then they eventually brought him in. And yeah, they just had a massive communication meltdown. And they decided to bring Charles in at the same time, which was a massive blunder from Ferrari's part. They basically screwed up Charles's race. And it actually dropped him from basically a race-winning position to fourth, and he never really recovered from that. And listening to his race radio, I have never heard Charles lose his shit in the way he did before. He was furious. Uh, By the way, Harry, um, another great bet tonight at $4.75 was both Red Bulls and both Ferrari's top six and both Mercedes in the points. Mate, like, would you would, would, would you know that I've got that as well? Mate, I've had 10 on it, so thanks very much. If I got nothing, I'll, I'll be a very unhappy man, I'll tell you that. <laughs> By the way, I lost. I didn't, I didn't, a lot of them didn't come out, but I've come out even. You, I think, don't, you with, don't talk with, about them. No, no, no. I think it's important to gamble responsibly. <laughs> um, the... Uh, it should be clear in that sense that, you know, we're all doing our 50 cent bets here, like we're the big spenders yes. on, in town. <laughs> I put $10 on, so I'm just saying. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I forget. We're in different you're classes. The, you're the penny bet better. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm um, the renter in the group. I'm still coming off the back of, I don't know what it was, Ash Barty or something that, that, I, that, that filled my account for a little while. Um, <laughs> the... The, the other there was a few others that tried as I mentioned the the straight to slicks uh, Ricardo Joe uh, Albon uh, a whole bunch of others none of them had any success with it um, Perez bottom line came out ahead of signs in all this pit drama Max Verstappen came out ahead of Charles Leclerc and by the way he crossed the pit line and wasn't penalised for it I mean whether or not they went oh it's a bit slippy out there or they just didn't bother looking but um, it may well be that the uh, the stewards uh, were under the influence purely of the Monaco TV race director because this was one of the worst pieces of television sports coverage I've seen in a very long time. Um, starting off with qualifying yesterday when they saw Checo's pin and went away from it, um, going right through to a few selections in this race. But the thing, guys, that I think r- r- kind of frustrates me a little bit here is that for the last, it turned out to be a timed race, for the, for the last 15, 20 minutes, or at least that's when I woke up again, um, the the leading four, Perez, Sainz, Verstappen and Leclerc, they called it like something was going to happen. And all I could think was, do you mm. not remember Ricardo? He didn't have full power and he still won like the race. Half a race, yeah. That's right. I mean, not, Connor, yeah. uh, that's the problem here is they were calling this like there was a chance of Carlos passing Checo. There wasn't. No, absolutely not. And the thing is, Monaco is just one of those places where you just cannot pass anywhere except for probably one or two corners. You're basically following the leader everywhere. And I can remember 1992, Senna was leading Mansell after Mansell had led the entire race, had a puncher, and basically Mansell couldn't get past Senna. (laughs) It's just that that kind of track you just can't (laughs) get around. End of story. You are a freak, honestly. I was in year 11 in 1992. I don't remember that. Um, wow. Uh, the thing is, there was some interesting performances, and I don't know if you noticed, but 
um, Crofty mentioned that Lando had pitted kind of free pit stop uh, for mediums at the end and was gaining on George Russell. And it was kind of about how many laps there'd be left. He was like seven or eight seconds back to two laps to go. And he was 0.2 off him at the end. So he really did come back. And I wonder whether with that amount of freshness on the tires, sure, there is some passing. Let's be clear. Pierre Gasly pulled off some of the best passes in Monaco history by going up the inside in some places. I don't think you can go up the inside, Harry. That was, that was pretty impressive. He was very impressive, like that run, to the point, you know, as I was mentioning before, that he was so impressive that I think he actually stuffed the race for, for Charles and, and Max because it was just too scary to think that someone could be going that quick and, and making those passes. But, yeah, I, now I don't let's... think he's going to be in that seat next year Where do you in think a good be? way. I don't know. But he's too good. He's too good for it. Oh, man, I don't know. we're going to have to have a whole special edition, uh, yeah. fo- you know, foreshadowing the the driver changes, uh, and we'll talk about a couple in a minute. The let's talk not not about Monaco overall, but, but Monaco twenty twenty two. We we talked offline, Harry and Connor, about Liberty Media here. Now there is a contract going going to. We'll go into that in a bit, but Liberty would want would not not have been happy with today. This race took place over three hours. Um, the FIA sat and waited for something. Now, was it a power outage that caused it? Was it them thinking there was going to be more rain? But, you know, Connor, my biggest problem with what we saw today was why wasn't the safety car out there doing laps, checking the status? Like, why were they not out there? Were they just relying on cameramen and marshals? felt very strange to me. It felt very, very strange. I've never seen a race meeting you know, with no course car going around checking laps, you mm. know, checking the track conditions. It's very unusual they would do such a thing. And I would love for someone to get in touch with us, you know, that has official them behind them and explain to us why the safety car or the course car did not go out and do laps to check the track conditions because it's it's imperative in every race meeting no matter club level, state level, national level, or even Grand Prix level, you do reconnaissance laps to check the track conditions before you declare what type of, you know, the conditions are for the race. Mm, and they never mm. did that. They just relied on weather radars, TV vision, and, and the marshals and the like. And I just find that utterly unacceptable in this day and age that you don't rely on the clerk, of course, or, or whoever, the, 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 mm. the driver and the course car to report back on what the conditions are. I just Harry, find it absolutely Harry, wonderful. what I find fascinating is that after the shenanigans at Abu Dhabi mm. at the end of last year, I don't think we've had more conversations about the race director than we yeah. have in 2022. I mean, Michael it, Mas- yeah. Massey must be sitting wherever the hell he is now going, well, I'm actually glad I'm not involved in this rubbish. This is unbelievable. Oh, of course. Like, you know, his, his booting was very clearly a knee-jerk reaction to, to satisfy Mercedes and, and sort of not quite merited uh, overall. But, yeah, they're a bit, been a bit overcautious, I think, probably a bit scared that if they're a bit too aggressive, they'll lose their gig too. But, yeah, for Liberty, I actually think for Liberty, though, I think they'd be loving this. Like, they've, they've been looking at any excuse to kick Monaco off the calendar. Mm. And this is just another reason for them to do it, whether they can add another shitty track for everyone for them to make more cash, which is what they're after. Let's unpack that then. This was the last year of the contract. 
they say that a lot. And I remember when Silverstone was up, it was like, we're going to lose Silverstone seriously as if we're going to mm. lose Silverstone. And it was really just a negotiation tactic back when it was Bernie, let alone anyone else. But it feels like this is just a public negotiation rather than a, than a genuine threat. Or, Connor, do you think there is a chance that that was the last Monaco Grand Prix? I know when we first started the podcast a couple of years ago, we, we kind of rubbished the Monaco Grand Prix. I was for it. You guys were against it. But the more oh, I think about it under the now, bus. Yeah. I know, of course. Just because <laughs> you've got I'm a good memory. To. Yeah, we can't debate you I've on got, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is the more I think about it now, the more I think maybe Monaco has now had its day. Mm. Like I know the prestige and the glamour and everything, you know, it, it, it plays a huge part in the history, but I just think for, I think it's just had its day now. And maybe we may have seen the last Monaco Grand Prix. We, we might be proven wrong and they do sign a new contract, but Maybe I think what we saw after tonight, this might be it. This might be the last one. Harry, I, I don't know if I don't know if the discussions around its future necessarily, you know, this this could be the last one forever. Um, as much as you know, the calendar is more more venues and and cities and stuff become interested, that there are going to be certain venues that that might be on a one year and not the next, and, and sort of swapping around like that. Mm. And, mm. and Monaco just may be one of those ones that we don't get every year. Um, and yes, yeah, so I think this is this is what they're looking for. Another excuse you know, to be able to make the move. This is just an uh, like a brain fart thought, but. You know what I would potentially think about, and I don't want to give credit to supercars for it, but I feel like Monaco could benefit from a unique race weekend. Um, what, what I sense? love about Monaco is it's clearly uh, an absolute challenge for the drivers. It's, it's, an, it's a remarkable achievement to put in a fast lap there. So imagine we saw two qualifying sessions and or three qualifying sessions and three sprint races or do you know what I mean? Like compress it all down. Like 77 laps of that mm. is ridiculous, right? Imagine you had two races, two like a qualifying session on uh, Friday and then a race on Saturday and another qualifying session on Saturday and a race on Sunday or something with, uh, as Neil Crompton calls them, CPS, like two compulsory pit stops. You actually build into it something that is going to create the, the only mm. drama and excitement we've had there is when people don't have tires ready to put on cars and things like that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it, it would be bad to lose it because there's something sensational about the cars being that close to the walls. And it's not actually dangerous uh, in, in in a true sense. Mick Schumacher crashed today, ripped his car in half and walked straight away as if to say to the doctor, I don't need to talk to you. What are you doing here? So I don't know. I, I wish they'd think more out of the box about it, perhaps, as a way of understanding whether or not Monaco can stay on the calendar, Connor. Yeah, I think there needs to be a rethink uh, of the format for for, for Monaco. Um, 77 laps is, I think, stretching a little bit. And I think we saw tonight, given what happened, it, 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 just, it just drains us, you know, and like we were – all three of us, I think, were starting to fall asleep at some point or starting to doze off. It's that kind of race where you get excited for the start and then it just sort of peters out. So then there must be a rethink. Especially of how, the one that don't give you a start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But in the sense of, in the, for the sake of, you know, is this a, a race that could be replaced? Like, I, I don't think that they're necessarily looking at it from that angle. But, you know, from the angle of uh, Monaco does not pay us for this race to be here. And there is some wealthy race own, racetrack owner city somewhere else that will mm. pay us a lot of money to have the race on at this weekend at their venue. And oh, boys, let's not forget, yeah. let's not forget that the French Grand Prix wasn't on the calendar for a good number of years as well. And I mean, everyone thought, you know, tradition and everything, and it should stay on the World Championship calendar. French Grand Prix was dropped in the mid-2000s and wasn't on the calendar for a good number of years until only last year or two. So, But Monaco is the one Grand Prix that has that iconic history and prestige. Uh, I genuinely can't think of too many others like it. And even Spa, which we all love and know, I don't think has that same prestige in the, the, the fringes of the, of the F1 community. I think that's the critical thing here. No, Everyone yeah. in sport knows Monaco. Everyone. You don't have to be an F1 fan to have known about Monaco, and I think that's its challenge. That's the, the sports challenge is if you walk away from this iconic location, how do you maintain the history of the sport? So I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I, I think if I was to put money on it, uh, Monaco will be on the calendar, um, but I would implore Liberty to require it to be in some way a different format. You know, two sprint races. I mean, just something. Just, you know, don't make me sit through that again. That, that's what I'm asking. At an, I mean, at, a, at an absolute minimum, take back the media rights. Yeah. Yes. The yes. production rights, I should say. Yeah. How do they not have that? Like, that's insanity Some that weird Monaco TV runs it. Yeah, I guess. Um, the we, we can't not talk about George Russell. Uh, George Russell's season is fourth, fifth, third, fourth, fifth, third, fifth. That's pretty Top remarkable. Top five finishes. Top five finishes in every race so far this year. It's been not only consistent, but an outstanding performance in a car that is not necessarily first rate at this point. Fantastic effort. Mm. And I think that's a massive credit to George. And it's so great uh, as a non-fan of Lewis broadly um, to to see. I mean, it's a terribly weird thing to say, but it is what it is. That's, that's what we've got to, we've got to acknowledge. And, the other one is Lando Norris. His his performance continues to be strong. Um, sixth place today is amazing. And Harry, Fernando Alonso in seventh. I mean, he's, he's still got speed. I didn't even, I did not even notice that, to be honest. Just looking at oh, a the, strong, uh, the... A strong one for Alpine. Uh, you know, Esteban yeah. in ninth. Well, Esteban was a bit of the pain in everyone's side to begin with. Um, he, he was, I think he was in ninth for a long time and left a huge gap. Yeah. Um, he, he did yeah. end up. He did end up finishing outside the um the the top ten oh, because of the five, five second, second penalty. penalty. Yes, true. Yeah, yes. finished twelve twelve. So that means Sebastian Vettel finishes in the top ten. Valtteri finishes in ninth. Nice, oh, nice, nice. That's nice. Well, yeah. um, I want to talk about Daniel, but let's go through yeah. the standings first, Connor. Um, yep. M- manufacturers Championship, Constructors <laughs> Championship. Yeah. Well. It's getting interesting because Red Bull continue to extend their lead. 235 points ahead of Ferrari's 199. And then Mercedes is on 134. McLaren are now 59 points in fourth. Uh, They're about 18 ahead of Alfa Romeo currently in fifth position. They're still a point ahead of Alpine on 40 points. So the battle for fourth, fifth, and sixth is getting very spicy there. Alfa Tauri 
on 17, Haas on 15, Aston Martin now on seven points, and Williams on three. And how are those drivers' championships looking? Because it's uh, it's a strange one with Sergio getting so many points today. Yeah, absolutely. And it's getting very tight now. 15 points between the top three. So Verstappen still leads the championship. He's extended a little bit. He's only a three-point uh, extension now. 125 points to Declare's 116. Checo now on 110 points. So he's 15 mm. behind wow. Verstappen. And you can Creates, understand why, yeah. why Checo reacted the way he did last week because he now sees that he's got a chance to win the world championship if he stays within touch of Leclerc and Verstappen. George is on fourth uh, fourth position still on 84 points, but he's a point ahead now of Carlos on 83. So that's very tight there as well. Lewis Hamilton on 50 points, two ahead of Lando on 48, Valtteri on 40 points, Esteban on 30 points, and Magnussen on 15, with Daniel still outside the 10 uh, in 11th on 11 points, with Yuki also on 11. Harry, where's Daniel next year? Freaking hell, I don't know. I don't know. It's this. This is yeah. You know, we, we were talking offline about this one, and and it's sort of I've hit the point. I think where it's just it might be time to concede that you know he his best days maybe were behind him. Um, I don't know and what his that best means. Cars, I think also I think his best cars were behind him. I mean, I don't think people can appreciate yeah. that cars are different, and he may have just become way too attuned to a different car, and that's. That these new cars just not suiting his style. He, but that, but that adaptability is you it's, know, a, it's that's a critical so factor. Important that it's, it, it means yeah, that, he's going to find it hard to find another seat. Like, why would you take him when you know he needs to adapt? Yeah. That's unless you can prove that your car is the style of car he likes. How on earth can can he do that? Um, I think Azerbaijan is a really critical test 100%. for Daniel because um, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a track he loves. It's a track he knows. Uh, and he, he he he's fast on it, so it's it's one of those tracks that he, it's it's about him being comfortable in that specific car. He doesn't have to think about how to do mm. this track well because he knows it. But yeah, I, I think at a if he's going to be back at McLaren, I I don't think he's he's going to be on anywhere near as much money as perhaps he's earning this season and last season. Um, but he's still yeah, got a deal know. for next year, doesn't he, Connor? It, I'm pretty sure his be, deal goes through next year. But, but it might be a sneaky two plus one. Is is what I'm seeing? Is what I've been seeing online. Right. So it's like the two year right. guarantee, and then a third year based on a performance clause, or, or something similar to that. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Connor. What are your thoughts, mate? My thoughts are: I think this is it. I think this might be his last year. I just think he, he's. I didn't go. I didn't go. That's horribly disastrous. out of form. I don't think it. I don't think it's that much disaster. Like I think he's did, just born out of. I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't say rule him out completely. I just McLaren. I don't know, but that doesn't mean there's not another team that that might not want to pick him up on the on the lower end. Because there's so many seats available, really, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, so many. Yeah, but I think that's yeah, true. He's fallen out. I think he might have just be falling out of love with the sport. Like I, I look at what he is. Yeah, he's obviously got his eye on America. And I read a very interesting article earlier this week from Motorsport Magazine, the British publication. And it seems to me that uh, a few people think that he went with the money when he signed the deals with Renault and then with McLaren. And it just hasn't really worked out to his benefit. I think the Renault one, mm. that was pretty obvious, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, I mean, can we just put it, to bed the fact that the bike won't be in supercars? The people that are 
Who's even saying that? Right. Oh, mate, there's been like all the Aussie publications. Oh, trying like, to find their relevant News Limited or Fox. It's yeah. like, dude, stop. I know he's got good clicks. He's getting yeah. clicks, but seriously, someone it's goes, just... he could he could earn two million a year in supercars. He would never right. No. And the thing is, non-fans. I had so many people send me that article this week, and I I just wrote back to them. He will never race. He may do a run at Bathurst for, for giggles. Yeah, but he will never race in supercars. He would race a NASCAR before he would race yeah, in exactly. supercars. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Or he could even do IndyCar. I, you I know, could either see him doing either of those. You, you know what? It wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out he, him doing a bit of an Alonso, not in a go away and come back thing, but just to go away and do awesome things. You know, yeah. Do Le Mans, do Indy, do do the things. Be be a racer because I do feel like, and it is observational, but I do feel like the whole. A brand has become more important than his racing. Um, I'm not um, not saying he shouldn't be selling wine and merchandise, but I just feel it just feels like that's the focus of the Daniel Ricciardo brand now, as opposed to winning mm. races. Um, and I get that you got to capitalize on it while you've got it, but you know it won't take long. If Oscar gets a seat, he'll very and he's, and, he, and Daniel's still in the in the sport. Oscar will very quickly. We think. I, I'm sure we all agree become the number one Aussie and that's huge for, for, for Oscar, but it's also damning for Daniel. And I look, I don't think this is his last year. Um, I actually think it's still a long season ahead and I think we should make the call a little bit later. There is a fear and concern that McLaren will make the call before then, but I don't know. I think that what have we got ahead? We've got Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. Canada, mm-hmm. Silverstone, Austria. I think there's four opportunities for him to do well. And I'll say this, if he can't perform in at least one of those races, um, outperform Lando in two of them, his 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 mm. McLaren contract will be at risk. And don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, don't, I don't want him to be in, in this position, this strife, and sort of be Nor this concern. I. But Nor it's just I. like, how, how long is, as a fan um, can you keep your head in the sand? And that's, that's I think, what's really hard for us. We're... we're we're not really pundits here. We're just fans no, having yeah. a chat after every race, right? But I think it's really important for all Aussies, 99% of the people listening to this are Aussies and probably Ricardo fans, whether or not he's your first because you're a Ferrari fan and then you're a Ricardo fan. But I think we all support him. And it's just a realistic conversation around the fact that Lando is smashing him this year. And, yep, the car's in Lando's favour, whatever. But that's going to have an impact on what happens next year. And I think it's sad the amount of pressure and, and headlines it gets because it, you know, it's his job. It's, I think the same about politics though. I think the I think it's really sad that people bag politicians who lose their seats when that was their job. They just lost and lots of people around them lose their jobs. I just think it's strange that he hasn't really done anything to, to demonstrate performance this year when this is a new regulation. It mm. felt like, you know, when Mark left, it was like, I don't want to be involved in that next era. Uh, I've done good. I'm I'm gonna leave. The next era could doesn't seem like the tires and everything's gonna be my style. He he saw that. Um, maybe went, Daniel didn't yeah. didn't see that. He went to, he he went full lethal weapon Greeks. He's just too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he made the right call. I look at what Weber's done now. He made definitely the right call. Spot he went on. off to the race for World World Endurance with Porsche. Won a world title with that. And now he's out of the sport altogether, just being a pundit for for Channel Four, which you know I think is you know probably the best thing that he's ever done in. My and you know opinion. what? Look at the success broadly Romain is having in IndyCar, just you know being a driver, and ha- I think he looks happier there. I think Daniel could well do the same in, in something like IndyCars, and I think IndyCars would be 
amazing for him because we all know he loves America. So Azerbaijan I, 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 is, is critical, I think, and it, it's, it's going to be a As I said, it, it'll be either IndyCar or NASCAR. Personally, I think NASCAR would be a perfect fit for Dan. It would just fit his personality to a T because it's no, a very just, personality-based kind of sport I don't see him having NASCAR. success in, in mm. NASCAR, though. It's a very different. Too different. That's like a different uh, fork in the road you take at some point in your racing career to go down that style of racing. So, look, Azerbaijan is an important race for Daniel. It's also an important race for everyone because it's at bloody 9 o'clock at night. The best. Oh, um, I think I can stay away from that. Yeah. Um, I, I know people at KO are very excited because that's a good time slot for people to enjoy the race. Um, and I'm, 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 it's a weird one though. Qualifying's at midnight because it's a, yeah, it's, it's according to the calendar that's uh, that I'm looking at on the F1 website, you've got practice, practice one, nine o'clock on Friday and then practice two, a midnight Saturday, practice three, nine o'clock Saturday and qualifying at midnight. And then the race at nine o'clock on Sunday. Strange. So we'll take that, and uh, I'll be I'll be ready for every single session, and you can watch every single session on Ko Sports next weekend, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, boys. Um, next weekend, you mean uh, the the Queen's birthday long weekend? Oh, whenever it is, you know, the next race yes. is what I'm saying. It's a couple of weeks away, <laughs> hopefully, because I'm away next weekend. I'll be in America. So, look, Connor. You've got, you've got a day off for some ungodly reason. Um, the establishment you work for, I used I to work on, at. I, I, I worked on Saturday. It's so. unbelievable raw. Just work. Don't have to take days off in lieu. Ah, oh, it's an absolute raw. I'm going to talk to the Ken Ship and, and have discussions about that. Uh, Harry, you and I, I assume, have to work, and we've got to go to bed. So thank you, boys, and I look forward to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. On the Queen's birthday weekend. Whenever yes, that is. Bye. And no one knows what that means, okay? It's in a few weeks on the 12th of June. See you, boys. Bye. See ya.